Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hello and welcome. I'm Chris Shandro, the pastor at Compass. As always, I'm really glad that you're with me because today we're going to talk about a subject that everybody loves. We're going to talk about forgiveness. This is a subject that is at the core of Christianity, that through Jesus, God offers us forgiveness for all of our sins, that everything we've ever done wrong, no matter how awful, is forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. Man, we love this forgiveness. That there's a creator God who loves me so much that he's willing to absolve me of every wrong thing I've ever done. I mean, that's awesome. We celebrate it. We sing worship songs about it. The forgiveness God gives us is amazing. We also love it when other people forgive us. Like when you turn your homework in late and your teacher lets it slide or or when a cop pulls you over for speeding, but he lets you off with a warning. Uh, Or when you say something kind of hurtful to a friend and they just give you a pass. I mean, we love it when we screw up and people let us off the hook. When that happens, we love forgiveness. I mean, we talk about how important forgiveness is and we encourage people to be forgiving. But I don't think we really want to talk much about the forgiveness that we owe other people when they burn us. When someone hurts me, I'm not really into celebrating forgiveness. When someone disrespects me or says something mean to me online, I don't want to talk about forgiveness. I want to talk about justice. When someone does something that deeply hurts me, I mean, I don't want to sing about how great forgiveness is. I want the person who hurt me to hurt in the same way. Forgiveness is complicated because we love it when it's coming our direction, but not so much when we're expected to extend it to other people. Well, last week we talked about how Jesus set up this process of reconciliation whenever somebody hurts us. And it goes like this. First, we go to that person one-on-one. If they don't listen, then you take another person or two with you and you try again. And if that doesn't work, bring the issue before the whole church, which again, in Jesus's mind at the time, the whole church would have been a small house gathering with as few as four or five people. And again, if that doesn't work, treat that person like a pagan or tax collector. But Jesus treated tax collectors and pagans with love and mercy rather than punishment and discipline. And so in all of this, Jesus is giving his followers a roadmap to forgiveness and reconciliation. And it's right after this that we're going to pick things up in Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? So Peter after hearing Jesus' teaching about how we should respond when somebody burns us, Peter understood that what Jesus said was about reconciliation and forgiveness. He understood that, that this isn't about punishing someone, but about forgiving them and making the relationship right. But Peter had a very practical question about this process. If that person keeps hurting me, How many times do I have to do this reconciliation process? How many times do I have to forgive them before enough is enough? Well, this makes me think of something called the sunken cost fallacy. If you haven't heard of this, the sunken cost fallacy is a psychological phenomenon where a person continues with a strategy or a course of action that simply isn't working just because they've already invested heavily into it. So even when it's clear that abandoning that course of action would be more beneficial, they keep doing it because they've invested in it. 
Here, let me let me show you what I mean. Hold on a second. Okay. <laughs> this is my guitar amp. This is a Vox AC15, and I bought it for $700 in 1997. It's a classic, and it's been with me for like 26 years. And while I love this amp, it's really touchy. This thing has broken down and had to be fixed so many times. I mean, it, it has made weird whining sounds. It's had static coming out of it. Uh, it's needed new knobs on the top. In fact, this thing still makes static when I turn it on right now. Several years ago, the Compass Band was leading worship at an Illinois teen camp. And in the middle of our set, this guy just stopped working completely. I was scrambling around on stage like an idiot to try and make this thing work. And so another thing about it is, is this thing runs on multiple vacuum tubes. And to fix those, I had to have them all replaced. In total, fixing all the tubes costs $300 around there. And if that sounds like a lot, just know that in the life of this amp, I have replaced the tubes around 10 times. So all told, I've probably spent $4,000 on the $700 amp. I could have saved money by buying a new amp multiple times over, but I kept throwing good money after bad because I'd already spent so much money on this one. And I'd invested so much in my repair strategy that even when it was obvious that it wasn't working, I kept going. I mean, shoot, even just having this thing with me right now, I kind of want to take it to get fixed again. Okay, hold on a second. Oh gosh, so heavy. <laughs> okay, back to our story. So when Peter asks this question of Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? Peter seems to be aware of the sunken cost fallacy when he asks about Jesus's forgiveness strategy. How many times do we need to forgive someone who keeps burning us before we can stop? When is enough enough? When do we stop throwing good money after bad? When do we stop sinking funds and investments into this person? Well, Jesus answers in verse 22. He says, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, it's clear here that Jesus isn't saying that we need to forgive someone 490 times, and then after that, we can stop. But in answer to the question, how many times should I forgive a person before I don't have to anymore? Jesus is like, infinity times. Never stop forgiving them. Clearly, forgiveness is very important to Jesus. But why? Well, he explains by following this up with a, with a story, verse 23. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay it, and so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. And then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. This is the type of forgiveness that we love to talk about. In Jesus's allegory, this debtor, he owed the king a debt of millions of dollars, an amount that he could literally never pay back even if he worked for a lifetime. And that's what Jesus intended people to understand. And when this debtor begged for mercy, swearing to pay it all back, even when paying it back was an impossibility, the king forgave the entire debt. He didn't reduce it or set up a payment plan. He let it go. The debtor no longer owed him a thing. And that's the way God forgives us. When we come to him asking for mercy, 
he completely clears the debt of our sin. We are free of it as if it had never existed. This is a beautiful, astonishing, powerful forgiveness that God offers us. But Jesus continues with his story in verse 28. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and he begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. So here we find the same man who begged for and received forgiveness for his unpayable debt. He turns around and he does the opposite. He chased down someone who owed him a little bit of money and he violently demanded repayment. And then he threw this guy in jail until the debt could be fully repaid. The contrast between this man who owed the king money and was forgiven and the king himself is just astounding. It continues in verse 31. The people around saw how astounding this is because when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And then the king called the man he'd forgiven and he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he'd paid his entire debt. And that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. This is tough to hear because I've always heard that God's gift of forgiveness is free. It's not something that we earn. It's freely given to all who ask. But what Jesus says here about God's forgiveness, it makes it sound conditional. I'll do this for you, and then you do this for me. But I don't actually think that's what's going on here. I wouldn't describe this as conditional. Rather, I would describe what's happening here more as a spiritual law. In God's spiritual economy, his forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others are inextricably linked. Rather than one being a condition of the other, they are two sides of the same coin. And we can see it in one of the most important practices that followers of Jesus should engage in regularly, and it's the Lord's Prayer. Take a look at this in Matthew 6, 9. Jesus said to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want you to notice that in the Lord's Prayer, that each of these things that Jesus mentions each one is a simple request from us to God. It's us requesting his will, his provision, forgiveness, freedom from temptation, and deliverance from evil. But I want you to notice something. When Jesus directs us to ask for forgiveness of our debt or our sin, he adds in an extra line. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, this is important because Jesus doesn't instruct us to just ask God for forgiveness, to forgive our debts. He instructs us to ask God to forgive us in the same way we forgive others. God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others, they're inextricably linked. They are connected to each other and they can't be separated. One always goes with the other. And this spiritual law is all over the New Testament. Check this out. 
Matthew 6, 14 through 15, right after the, the Lord's Prayer. He says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Matthew 5, 7, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Colossians 3.13, Paul writes this. He says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgiving others, it isn't a condition of being forgiven. It's actually a function of it. Think about it this way. Every time you breathe in, before you can take another breath, you have to exhale. Inhalation and exhalation are both necessary to breathe. And we all know that breathing is necessary to live. If you took one big breath and you just held on to it without ever breathing out, you would die. And without exhaling your breath, you can't breathe in another one. Forgiveness is the same. When we receive it from God, we breathe it in. But then, just by virtue of what forgiveness is and how it functions in God's kingdom, that forgiveness must be exhaled out, passed on from us to the people in our lives in the same way that God forgave us. And the point in all this is this. Here it is. Forgiveness received must result in forgiveness given. Just like breathing is a natural law, so is this. Because when we withhold forgiveness, it results in spiritual death in exactly the same way that never releasing our breath would result in physical death. So if we are to ask God to forgive us in the same way that we forgive others, the question we need to ask ourselves is, how do I want to be forgiven? Do you want God to hold a grudge against you the way that you hold grudges against the people who hurt you? bad-mouthing and hating them behind their back? Do you want God to punish you the way you punish others who hurt you? Uh, do you want God to ice you out the way that you ice out the people who hurt you? Do you want God to just forgive you seven times before he calls it quits because he's just not going to keep throwing good money after bad? Jesus said to treat others the way you wanted to be treated, not to treat others the way you think they've treated you. Forgive others the way you want to be forgiven because that's exactly how forgiveness works in the kingdom of God. So maybe you're watching this and you know that there's some forgiving you need to do. You've been holding your breath for too long and unless you exhale and then take another breath, there's some things spiritually that are gonna die in your life. And I know it's not easy, but experiencing abundant life in Christ means breathing in God's forgiveness towards us and then breathing out forgiveness on others. And repeat. It doesn't mean being best friends or spending time with your abuser or even following them on social media, but it does mean passing on to them what God first gave to you. And then it continues as you pass that forgiveness on to others. Maybe you're the opposite of that. You don't have anyone you need to forgive. Instead, you keep taking advantage of the forgiveness of others. Over and over, you have burned people in your life in a way that forces them to keep forgiving you. 70 times seven times. And perhaps instead of forcing people to let you off the hook when you keep hurting them, it's time for you to behave in a way that doesn't require you to be forgiven all the time. Maybe you need to take a long, hard look at yourself 
identify the ways that you're burning others, and then just stop it. Stop being a mean, nasty, rude, and selfish person. Stop forcing people to forgive you over and over again. Stop doing the things that require forgiveness. Stop treating forgiveness as a license to keep hurting the people in your life, and instead, treat them the way you want to be treated. In the kingdom of God, forgiveness is like breathing in and out over and over. May we be people who forgive freely and often, releasing people of their debt to us so that no matter what they've done, they don't owe us a thing. And may we also be people who don't incur debt who don't behave in such a way that we constantly require forgiveness for the debts that we keep incurring, but instead treating others the way we want to be treated. May we be people who fully forgive and are fully forgiven as we live like Jesus lived, think like he thought, and do what he taught. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.